Welcome to Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, a podcast series by the Climate Justice Alliance that takes us behind the scenes in local communities building sustainable and equitable climate justice solutions in their own backyards. Climate Justice Alliance is a growing member alliance of 70 urban and rural frontline communities, organizations, and supporting networks in the climate justice movement. In Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, we'll hear from the organizations, creators, and communities spotlighted in Story Snapshots, a new CJA project that draws from local arts, creativity, and culture to express the vision, heart, and day-to-day work of communities building just transitions across the Alliance. I'm Keenan Rhodes with CJA and the Kepper Institute in Indianapolis, and I'll be your host. Today, my colleague Jessica and I ask, what is Just Transition? We chat with the original conceiver of the story snapshots to learn the history of how the project came about. And we invite you to a sneak peek of the first four snapshots led by creators and artists from the Indigenous Environmental Network, the Micronesia Climate Change Alliance, Green Roots, and the Southwest Organizing Project. Join us as we talk just transition through performance art, video documentary, audio histories, and even a cookbook. We captured four of these five interviews in December 2019 at CJA's Washington, D.C. office after a storytelling training and during the CJA holiday party. We chatted with the original conceiver of the project to learn the history. What is your name and how did you come to work with CJA? My name is Samantha Harvey. About a year and a half ago, I started working on the Story Snapshot Project, which started out as a series of interviews, um, just asking people in the Alliance, what would you want from a narrative project? It's actually pretty exciting because it looks um, really different from how it started, which I think is great because it means that it sort of has evolved somewhat naturally and organically and evolved from all the different groups and people who are uh, connected to it. So. Originally, I did a series of phone calls. This is now about a year and a half ago with um, our power community leaders and steering committee members and CJA staff. So it was like 15 to 20 people. And I just asked them, you know, what would you want to see if we were able to put a little more attention into narrative development at CJA? But not necessarily another campaign because CJA has campaigns under control (laughs) but if we could think a little bit more creatively and had a little space to just like what do the communities really want Um, and what I heard from people across the board I mean people had all sorts of different ideas but kind of one thing that everyone independently agreed on is that they wanted more stories that really got to the heart of what the communities were like they wanted more narrative description of just transition as opposed to intellectual principles because the principles and the white papers and the press releases, all that stuff is really important, but what they wanted to be able to connect to their communities was the, you know, there were people in communities who were totally living the just transition, but weren't necessarily connected to the, maybe like the pedagogy behind it or the framework behind it, but they were the ones who were actually living it. So the request was, how do we develop, uh, not even develop a narrative, but highlight a narrative that's already been going on for a long time? Um, that might be a little bit less um, in line with what funders are asking for, but is more in line with what the communities are asking for. And 
part of the organizing strategy of the Story Snapshot project, um, when I did the first series of interviews, people asked, well, maybe I'm working in Appalachia, maybe I'm working in the Pacific Northwest or, um, you know, Southwest, Northeast, I'm working all over the country, middle of the country, and I don't, I know I'm part of CJA, but I don't really feel connected to another group that I hear about through the CJA network. So the one of the ideas of the Story Snapshot Project was to tell a bunch of stories that might show different manifestations of just transition, but remind people that we're all in the same fight and we're all connected. So that when there was, you know, a big alliance-wide summit, people would come to that and say, oh yeah, I read your snapshot or I saw your snapshot, I, I heard what you talked about and that resonates with me because of XYZ. So it was kind of an idea of showing the heart of the community and just transition, like the, the essence of what it feels like to be alive today in these frontline communities that are really holding it down and building vision for the future. Where are the snapshots today? How are you feeling about them? I'm so inspired. So the original idea, after I did the series of interviews, I kind of boiled down the things that everybody more or less agreed on, which was that people wanted to hear from what they called unusual suspects. So not necessarily the executive directors, not necessarily the you know, people who have already been elevated in articles and videos and on the stages of funder meetings and things like that. So hearing from unusual suspects, people wanted less kind of academic white papery ways of looking at the just transition, so artistic expression. And a lot of people mentioned more or less, you know, people had different ideas and suggestions, but more or less an idea of wouldn't it be cool if we could work with local artists? So there could be some kind of a narrative storytelling piece that collaborates with a local artist. So we're telling a story in words and then expressing it in art to express the just transition, showing how it manifests in very different ways. So if you had to describe just transition in one, one word, what would you say? That's really hard. And I actually had a feeling you were going to ask that question, but <laughs> I haven't really thought of it. One word. I mean, when I think of just transition, I think of, I kind of think of relaxing, but I don't mean relaxing like not working hard. I mean like the, um, so I guess my word would be like breath or relax. Um, and again, I don't mean relax like being lazy. I mean relax like the the yoke of you know knowing that I'm participating in this capitalist system that I you know I'm participating in something that I know is hurting myself and the people around me and yet we're in this kind of hamster wheel where it feels like it's very difficult to participate in society without participating in the system that is hurting us and when I think of the just transition I f I wonder what it would feel like to live in a world where I wasn't actively harming myself and others just by being. And why is art, culture, and creativity important to just transition? Is it important to just transition? Yeah, definitely. I think that the dominant white culture, not across the board, but historically has done a really dedicated, has done, done a really good job, <laughs> a dedicated work to separate art and culture from intellectual, academic, quote-unquote, professional work. And I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because if you 
separate emotion and culture from the work you're doing, it's very easy to forget who you're affecting and who you're speaking for. So I think that any just transition has to include culture and art because culture and art are things that have been used as weapons against certain communities and have been silenced. And um, our dominant culture and media right now is a very, very narrow window um, connected to selling stuff, connected to commodities. So I think that art and culture and the just transition is about expanding voice and about opening up uh, opening up our the way that we look at all different kinds of voices at the same on the same topic so there's not a right answer or a wrong answer this isn't a Twitter war where we gang up on each other this is a art and culture and the just transition is a way of expressing the essence of how we're living together and how we live together in community and that's why it's important Here, Jessica sits down with Monieka and Michelle from the Micronesia Climate Change Alliance. They're from Guam. What is your name and where are you from? Buenas, Hafede, Tiro, Guahusi, Monieka. I'm Monieka. I am from the Mariana Islands, primarily living in Guahan. Buenas, I'm Hafede, Guahusi, Michelle Bacolo. Hello, my name is Michelle Bacolo, and I live on the island of Guam. What language were you speaking at first? We were introducing ourselves in the Chamorro language, or Tamoro language, and that is the language of the indigenous people of the Mariana Islands. Thank you. And what is your snapshot? How would you describe it? Our story snapshot, we are doing a plant-based recipe book. And in this plant-based recipe book, we are highlighting traditional Chamorro recipes, um, as well as Chamorro women in our community um, who are artists, um, who own small businesses, and who are, who are helping to contribute their own personal recipes to this book. Yeah, so the snapshot is basically this collective of women who have come together realizing the environmental crisis and looking towards our food systems as, and food sovereignty as a way to remedy the situation. And it's a collective of women who are, like Michelle said, mm -hmm. artists, farmers, business owners, and um, really giving of themselves to the greater cause of protecting our environment for future generations. Guahan is, and the Marianas, there's um, historically ma matriarchal, cu culturally matriarchal. So, and there's been a big, like, upswelling of the women power um, in the last few years. We have our first female governor, mm. and um, in our legislative body, it's a, it's a unicameral legislature, and we have 15 seats, and of those 15 seats, 10 of them are women. So just capitalizing on this, like, Famalawan rising and this, this women rising, um, we wanted to also shed light on what women are doing on the ground to reconnect to each other and reconnect to the earth in a really um, power and pos powerful and positive way. The way colonization has affected us, it's affected the health of our bodies and our land, of course. And so a lot of the, our recipes are really like, pro have a lot of processed food mm. and have a lot of meat and have a lot of things that aren't indigenous to our diet. So we wanted to take like the local comfort foods and um, veganize them or like plant-based them mm -hmm. and give people a healthier option for our already foods that are cult that are, are culturally meaning to us and bring us a lot of comfort so doing this in a creative way mm -hmm. and doing this 
um, in a climate justice way uh, is is really important and really cool. I'm, so, I'm really mm -hmm. excited for it. What is one word you think of when you think of just transition? And then how would you describe just transition to someone who wants to know, understand, or feel the gist of just transition but have never heard that terminology before? When I think of just transition, I think of equality, and I also think of decolonization, right? How I would explain a just trend, I have explained it, you know, I do, do try to explain it to friends and people in our group. Um, a just transition means that we are transitioning from an extractive economy to a regenerative one. And in Guam's case, you know, we are heavily affected by militarization, um, by, you know, we have to import mostly everything, all these processed foods. Um, you know, the Chamorro people are already a minority in their own land. I mean, the Chamorro people, their population on Guam makes up 45%. Even less. E even, even less, you know? So when I think of a just transition, I think of Guam and the Chamorro people getting back to their roots, reclaiming their land, reclaiming their resources, um, and getting away from the, these Western ideals and social norms that don't, that aren't good for Guam and aren't good for the people there. For me, a just transition is the recognition and the transformation and recognition that capitalism, patriarchy, and, uh, and colonization are the systems that have created this cri this climate crisis, and that the way out of this crisis and the way out of is is systemic change is transitioning and um, transitioning and recognizing those historical traumas. It's definitely justice based. It's bringing equity back. It's bringing equality back to people who have, who have been most affected by the systems of colonization and capitalism um, so it's definitely healing it comes from a place of healing and moving forward in a way that's um, right with the earth and bringing us back and remembering that we're all one how is creativity and culture part of the just transition creativity and culture are essential to any sort of revolution any sort of movement and the just transition is like this rippling effect and it's really like localizing this these big themes in ways that make sense to your own community and your own culture um, and creativity using art using music using all different avenues to spread that message and ingrain that message into people's hearts is really important um, and the, and shifting culture away from consumerism to something that's more interconnected and, and values the sacredness of life um, I also think that it can't all just be about action, 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 you know, um, because doing this sort of work can be very emotionally draining, it can be tiring, it can be thankless even. Um, I also think that culture and creativity, it draws people in, it's a part of capacity building, um, it's showing them that we're just, we're more than just about, you know, standing on the side of the street protesting. We are actually trying to rebuild our community, dig back to our roots and, and come together as one community fighting for, you know, a just transition and a better life. My name is Gabrielle.
Gabriela Cartagena, and I was born and raised in East Boston, um, but my family is Salvadoran Honduran. My story snapshot, um, Green Roots' story snapshot, is going to be centered around the neighborhood of East Boston, um, a neighborhood in which uh, Green Roots recently started to work in, which is a neighborhood right next to their office and the heart of their work, which is Chelsea. East Boston is the neighboring neighborhood. Um, next to the Chelsea Creek, uh, right next to Chelsea, and just as Chelsea and most neighborhoods around East Boston, we are a frontline and directly impacted community of many environmental injustices, a lot of racism, a lot of housing injustices, and my story snapshot, Green Roots' story snapshot, sorry, Green Roots' story snapshot is going to be centered um, around East Boston, and all these um, environmental injustices in contrast to the people who have migrated there, immigrated there, and who currently still live there, and maybe even people who have been forced um, to move out because of the volatile um, rents that a lot of um, tenants are facing, um, particularly low-income and immigrant and undocumented tenants. Um, so our Snapchat is going to be focused on the contrast between the reality of East Boston and its people in relation to the hope many, the hope of many who moved in there and the hope of the hope behind the just transition in which many people are currently unaware of. A lot of folks from East Boston don't know what the just transition is or don't even know about the Green New Deal, but a lot of people in East Boston know about hope. So our story snapshot is ultimately going to try to connect both. And what w is one word you think of when you think of just transition, if you had to just describe it in one word? And then how would you describe just transition to someone who is not familiar with mm -hmm. what it is? If I were to describe the just transition in one word, that's hard. Um, I would say lucha, which in Spanish means an ongoing struggle, an ongoing struggle that you're trying to overcome, um, which to me is what the just transition evokes behind the Green New Deal, right? For us to reach this Green New Deal, legislatively and wholesomely, we need to navigate and we need to work and we need to fight and we need to resist and we need to love and we need to party and we need to have fun. Um, and we need to believe in each other. Um, and that's just bits and pieces of what lucha means. And if I were to describe what a just transition is to someone who doesn't know, I would say the just transition is a means, is a way to be able to live a more sustainable life here in East Boston or here in New Orleans or here in Nebraska, right? Because the just transition ideally isn't just locally, but spreads into state, national, and ideally globally, right? I'm reflecting on a few things I've heard with this past past few months, past month actually, with um, community members in Chelsea and East Boston who shared how we were talking about the biggest issues and problems, biggest problems and concerns within both neighborhoods, and a big uh, need and problem in 
East Boston and Chelsea, like in, in many other frontline communities, is has been the erasure of culture and art and language. Culture as in language, culture as in food, culture as in, you know, the ability to walk down the street and say hi to your neighbor. Um, and people are seeing that our culture and identity is being erased um, through assimilation, through not wanting to teach your child that native tongue you grew up speaking. Culture and art is necessary for a just transition for us to be able to you know, feel proud of the food we bring to school and not opt for the apple and feel proud of bringing the guayava um, fruit. Um, so culture and art is necessary for this just transition for us to feel proud of who we are and for us to embrace who we are and our roots. Our ancestors have embodied what a dress transition is for centuries. Up until recently, we have completely erased that. So we need to figure out again, like, how do we indigenize our way of life? What is something you've learned this morning that you think you're going to take back and integrate into your project? Um, one thing I learned from this morning, I think it, her name was Peggy, who did the groundings. Penny. Penny. Right. Penny said, don't limit yourself to the four directions. Uh, expand your senses to expand your goals to these seven directions. Just expand who you are and what you're trying to do to the seven directions. North, east, I'm sorry, north, south, east, west, below, above, and within. Sometimes we tend to forget the above, the air quality, right? Something we don't see. And the below the centuries of contamination and uh, toxic dumping in East Boston, and within the the decades of, you know, Eurocentric colonialism for Latinos, Eurocentric colonialism for my Asian friends, Eurocentric colonialism, or, yeah, within the many friends um, and people I know when trying to evaluate the beauty within, right? Sometimes we're not good enough because we're looking at this like standard of beauty that is not universal. Thank you so much. My name is John Acosta and I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico and I am representing the Southwest Organizing Project. And my name is Mateo Carrasco. I'm, I'm also coming out of Albuquerque, um, originally from El Paso, Texas. And uh, I am the food justice organizer for the Southwest Organizing Project. What we're hoping to do with our story snapshot is to highlight the different initiatives that we're doing with Project Feed the Hood. Um, so we work with tons of different schools in the immediate area uh, called the International District within um, Albuquerque, historically known as the War Zone. So a location that doesn't have, hasn't had many um, resources put into it that also contains some, uh, some of the most, um, I guess, highest poverty rates. A lot, of the, a lot of the things that people usually associate with Albuquerque um, is seen directly in that neighborhood. 
Um, so a lot of the work that we do is we do a lot of restorative justice with our, our young people through Project Beat the Hood. We have community gardens so that we can get access to healthy foods into the community. Um, we have a mentor that tells us that we don't necessarily grow uh, produce or crops. That's not the whole point. What we try to do is we try to cultivate consciousness. We also want to talk a little bit about the history of why this initiative kind of started and so more of more of a history right also like where it's at now but also like you know this whole like encompassing overview of the work that was put in um you know by by swap it's, it's a lot of history it's like 10 years because we actually just celebrated our 10th anniversary this year um so there's been a lot of work that we've been like able to do in our communities and now we're actually starting to get involved with working with the city and institutionalizing ourselves a little bit more, um, actually getting access to resources that in the past we didn't have. So now we're in schools. We, you know, we get asked a lot of times to come into schools um, that think that we actually are valuable, whereas before um, schools, they, we weren't allowed anywhere close to these types of places, right? We got um, city places like the aviation department, parks and recreation that are actively working with us. The county is actively like putting resources into the work that we're doing. So there's been a lot of development, a lot of really good development. I'm a documentary filmmaker, so it's going to be a documentary um, ranging from 30 to 45 minutes. And I'm kind of imagining this like very kind of historic, you know, starting out with the history um, and then moving along to what it is now, right? The 13th kind of thing, you know, where it kind of like talks about like the history of like you know, slavery, but like in terms of like the history to New Mexico, right? Because we don't want to just keep it you know, about just Project Feed the Hood but we want to like talk about like why these food, food initiatives matter and like you know, what caused all those programs to start. What is one word you think of when you think of Just Transition? So, Just Transition is. And the next question is, how would you describe Just Transition to someone who is unfamiliar with this terminology? And either of you can start. Um, you know, when I was thinking about Just Transition, the first word that comes to my head is obviously equitable. Um, I think we need to be putting ourselves, our communities, um, people that are living day to day in positions where they can actively be successful, right? And so what's cool about Just Transition is Just Transition allows um, a means for us to move away from extractive resource economies and start moving towards um, sustainability, right? Um, and, but we can't do that without forgetting the people that are actually doing the labor all throughout the country. And I mean, for us personally, we're, we work closely with farm workers. Um, in terms of, I guess, the larger Just Transition narrative. Um, and from what I've, I guess, spoken to a lot of folks about here, a lot of it has to do with this energy, um, these energy uh, sectors and stuff. So um, I'm hoping that a Just Transition is equitable for all people. So Just Transition, to me, in one word, uh, would be life. Um, so a system that is focused on providing you know, providing for impacted communities uh, a system that we deserve, um, a system that is um, that steers away from 
from capitalism, right, and and all of its, um, you know, detrimental factors that that we must face, right? Um, and I and I I take that very serious. And growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's one of the biggest um, uh, one of the biggest issues is, you know, kind of that that uh, those extractive extractive economies coming in. You know, we've experienced a lot of uh, um, uh, just, you know, pollution, specifically in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I've had family members get sick. So it is very, very important to me. Why is creativity and culture important to dust transition? Um, you're the filmmaker. I don't know if you want to, you know, tackle that one. I, I like the culture aspect of it, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I was, I was talking to a a friend and uh, I told him, um, I was telling him, you know, just the processes of, of filmmaking and, and I told him that, that it's really interesting because I feel like I have. A lot more validity when I create something and kind of put an artistic twist to it you know and it's 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 kind of like people because you're provoking an emotion right with that creativity with that you know um, with that art so there's nothing more powerful than you know getting somebody to to feel something I think this kind of goes back to kind of like the historical context that we were just talking about so when we talk about culture and just transition, it's like, from our perspective, coming from the Southwest, I'm not ne- necessarily from New Mexico, you know, I'm a little bit of Texas, but I think I'm in a little bit of an island, you know, sandwiched between Mexico, um, right with Juarez right there, El Paso, and then Albuquerque, obviously, to the north. Um, this was a region that was once historically Mexico, you know what I mean? Um, these were regions of the country that were self-sustained communities, and had three-year food stocks, specifically when we talk about what what I do, what we do, it's food, right? Um, When we talk about just transition, transition rather, uh, we're moving away from a system that imposed itself in an area of the country that was already sustainable, right? And it's the same thing in any any place that's been colonized, any place that had um, stewardship, right? True stewardship of the land. so I, I, I personally believe that our culture is what ultimately drives forward the work that we're doing that informs everything that we've done, past and present. Um, I think it com- goes all the way back to our ancestors, right, that were in that area of the world um, millennia ago, right? Or maybe it's like our, our abuelos, right? Our maestro, shout out to like the old man, the little old man with the youngest heart, Don Lorenzo, that taught me. Um, like my homie Travis, right? We got generations, right, of people that are actively training, actively moving, and are trying to rekindle all of these things, right? So a big reason why we do the work that we do, and we do it intergenerationally, is because we have such huge reverence for culture, right? For our culture. Um, some people call that, like, Mexican culture, Latino culture. I personally believe I'm a Chicano, and my, Chicani- my Chicanidad is something that I hold, like, true to my heart. But at its very essence, right, um, what I do is because I personally believe that I'm tied to the land, right? And when we're working with our young people and we want them to understand this, their food system, to understand what it means to be building sustainable communities, like resilient food systems, 
uh, to be building food sovereignty. We want them to know that like we're shades of the earth, right? That while personally in Chicano like culture, we kind of like have the Aztecs at the very top and it may not necessarily be like the most appropriate because we're all from different nations from all over Mexico. Um, that's the indigeneity that we can take, but in that specific religion, we draw a lot of our power from the sun, right? You know, we spill our blood for the sun and we have for hundreds of years. We go out in the sun and we work, you know, we nurture and steward all these things that we do and it's it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing that we do in the Southwest um, because, mostly because we're informed by who we are, right? We're informed by like our raza, we're informed by all of our experiences that we've had and we're we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors you know what i mean it's um and we do it every day when we're out in the fields thank you that was awesome My name is Jennifer K. Falcon, and I am the communications coordinator with Indigenous Environmental Network. Right now, I have made my home in San Antonio, Texas, but I come from the uh, Fort Peck and Fort Belknap Assiniboine Sioux Tribal Nations. I am uh, Nakota and Lakota. What is your story snapshot? What are you working on? For IEN's story snapshot, we brought in Lakota artist Arlo Ironcloud to our Indigenous Just Transition at Haskell Indian Nations in Nebraska. Uh, Arlo interviewed six different Indigenous leaders who are doing uh, Just Transition work in their communities and illustrated what they spoke about and what a Indigenous Just Transition looked like to their communities and to them. If you had to describe Just Transition in one word, what is Just Transition? Just Transition is decolonization. And how would you describe Just Transition to someone who is unfamiliar with the term? Um, And what does decolonization look like? A just transition affirms the need for restoring indigenous lifeways of responsibility, duty, and respect to the sacred creation principles and the natural laws of Mother Earth and Father Sky to live in peace and to ensure harmony with the circle of life with nature and within all uh, our mother's creation. Uh, Decolonization is not going back to past ways and forsaking, you know, lights or uh, clothing, really decolonization is a way of reclaiming our past ways so that we can have a just transition in our future. Thank you. And last question, how is creativity and culture part of the just transition? Art is activism. Uh, I think that when we use uh, our creativity and our imagination, we can bring other people in. And uh, by using artwork, we're able to speak to people on so many different levels. That's what I loved about this project is uh, just from that conversation, Arlo was able to envision this world for 
these six different leaders and the work they were doing. And it just captured what they were doing so well. Uh, and I think that by seeing those images, it's really going to bring people in to listen to the stories of what leaders like Mila and Lorenzo are doing in their communities. Thanks for joining us for this first episode, and stay tuned for the next Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition, where we'll take a deeper dive with Jen at the Indigenous Environmental Network about their snapshot. In the meanwhile, if you like what you hear, please share this episode, donate at climatejusticealliance.org, and sign up for our newsletter for updates. Also, let us know what you think of the project. You can find all of our contact information, including social media, at climatejusticealliance.org. Story Snapshots is a project by the Climate Justice Alliance. From local to international, from prairies to mountains to island shores, from youth to elders, we work together toward a shared vision for the future. Stories from Home, Living the Just Transition is produced by Jessica Zhao, Keenan Rhodes, Olivia Burlingame, and Samantha Harvey. Our sound editor is Jennifer Wager. The music is One Fine Day by The Insider and Stuff Will Never Love You Back by Dr. Turtle.